Chapter 14. Things started to go wrong after school on Thursday. There was no choir, and James hadn't got any further with getting the puzzle sheets from Mrs. Gently. He only had until the following Monday to try and decipher them all. Jenny said she'd help him break into Mrs. Gently's desk as soon as they had the opportunity. There were no after-school clubs on a Thursday, so James, Jenny and Asma all went down to the Sentinelms together. Even though it was light, they kept away from the park as much as possible. As soon as the ancient trees came into view, James saw something was up. Perched in the highest branches of the Sentinelms were magpies, half a dozen in each tree. The children hurried through the gap into the elm, ignoring the looks from the birds, and met Hegel in the chamber. "'It's bad,' he said as soon as they arrived. "'It's very bad.' "'What's going on, Hegel?' James asked. "'Those pesky birds have been sitting there all day, "'and there's foxes all around too, lurking in the bushes. "'Makes me feel all self-conscious.' "'Why are they here?' Jenny asked. "'For the stone, but they won't get it. "'The sentinels are back to full power, thanks to the girl.' "'Asma remained silent, and Jenny beamed proudly. "'Are you sure they can't get to the stone?' James asked. Not without a key, they can't, Hegel said, then pointed to Asma. And with her around, the protection's too strong. And they won't find a key round here. The children didn't want to stay long. Not while there were magpies around, and possibly foxes too. They said goodbye and quickly left the tree. On the way back to the school, they stayed vigilant. Twice James was sure he saw a fox and the magpies were definitely watching them from high on every tree and building they passed. Asma's taxi was waiting for her at the school gate. Jenny said goodbye, and was about to walk home when James grabbed her arm. What? Jenny said. Come over here and watch, James whispered. He took her down into the school car park, and they crouched between two teacher cars. James pointed over the bonnet of one of the cars at the manoeuvring taxi, they watched it silently as it pulled out onto the road and drove away up the hill. At the same moment, a small flock of magpies took to the sky from a nearby tree and flew after it. What? Jenny said again. Is that it? The birds? James said nothing. He was sure they would see the taxi slow down and the cats jump in. I thought, he began, but he didn't finish his sentence. The two cats bounded out of the school building and up the bank, just in time to watch the taxi turn the corner at the top of the hill. One shot after it for twenty metres, then ran back to the other. They looked up and down the road, and then at each other, then up and down the road again, clearly agitated about something. Come on, Jenny said, let's talk to them. Before James could object, she walked out from between the parked cars and right up to the cats. Hello, she said. They stopped moving and stared at her in silence. "'Why didn't you get into Asma's taxi?' James asked. "'I saw you get in yesterday.' The two cats stared up at James and then looked at each other. Then one of them spoke. "'That is not her taxi,' it said in a soft Persian accent. "'She should not have got in.' "'If that's not her taxi,' Jenny said, with a look of concern across her face, "'then where's she going?' This is a big problem, the other cat said. A very big problem. I can only assume 
that she has been kidnapped. Kidnapped, James said. Who would want to kidnap asthma? The first cat looked at him, eyes wide open and head cocked slightly to the side. It was a look that told him that the answer was patently obvious, and that he was clearly an idiot for not already knowing it. The foxes, Jenny exclaimed. They want to get her away from the Sentinelm, so they can steal the stone. Neither cat replied. A new taxi pulled up behind Jenny, its passenger door opened, and both cats jumped in without another word. The car's wheels squealed as it tore off up the road after asthma. If the foxes take her far enough away, Jenny said, then the elm's protection will fail. James finished off her train of thought, and that means they'll have easy access to steal the stone of Brighthelm. They had to think fast. If the foxes succeeded in breaking the protection provided by the twin elms, then the stone was as good as gone. They had two options. Either they could try and rescue Asthma from the taxi, or they could try and stop the foxes from getting into the rockery. How can we rescue Asthma? Jenny said, worry sounding clearly in her voice. She's in a car and we're on foot. And we've got no chance against Chimera's clan, James said grimly. Not just the two of us, anyway. If we get in the way of them stealing the stone, they'll tear us to pieces. In that case, Jenny said, with another glint in her eye, we'll just have to steal the stone first. Come on. James followed Jenny down the path to the school office. He thought he might know what she had in mind, and he hoped it would work. To steal the stone, they would need to first steal back the Squiducken key. Neither of them knew how long it would take for the Sentinelm's protective power to be totally focused on asthma and away from the rockery. But they had only just been down to visit Hegel, so hopefully they still had a bit of time. They went in through the main reception doors. This time the school office was closed, which meant that no one could buzz them through the first layer of protection. There was nothing to do but stand by the door and wait. It was not long before a teacher walked out of the hall right on the other side of the door. It was Mr. Stanbridge, another Year 6 teacher. Jenny knocked frantically, and the teacher looked up, then wandered over and opened the door. "'Aren't you supposed to be going home now?' he asked, raising his eyebrows. "'Oh, hi, Mr. S.' Jenny said. "'You're right, but annoyingly I left my house key in my tray.' She strode confidently past him and towards the Year 6 stairs. "'And you?' He looked suspiciously at James. Oh, uh, James floundered. I'm just... He's coming to mind for dinner, Jenny called back. James didn't say anything else. He rushed past the teacher and hurried after Jenny. He caught up with her on the stairs up to their classroom. That was close, he said. I don't know how you do it. Every time I have to tell a barefaced lie, I just crumble. That wasn't a lie, Jenny said, shaking her head. I just renamed the Squiducken key to my house key, and Mrs. Gently's drawer became my tray. Nothing to it. They came to 6K's classroom door. James tried the handle. It was locked. What do we do now? he asked. Perhaps we could find the caretaker. Don't be silly, Jenny said. Just hang on a minute. My granddad didn't have a bump key for this type of lock. But that doesn't mean he didn't have something else useful. She reached into her school bag and pulled out a contraption. It looked like a teacher's staple gun, with a shiny metal trigger, only it also had a thin metal rod sticking out above the trigger. Check there's no one coming, she said to James. 
He looked back down the hallway. It was deserted. His eyes were drawn back to Jenny's contraption. He watched her with fascination. She took the thin rod part of the contraption, poked it into the lock, and held it down near the bottom, where normally the bumpy part of the key would be. Then she took another tool, a small metal two-pronged fork with a 90-degree bend near the end, and poked the bent part of it into the lock right above the metal rod. Holding the staple gun contraption in one hand and the small fork in the other, she pulled the trigger. It made a loud snap noise, and the little fork fell out of her hand. Whoops, she said, bending down to pick it up, while still holding the gun carefully in place. Let's try again. She poked the fork back into the lock, pulled the trigger, and snap. The hand holding the fork jolted downwards. Turn the handle, will you? Jenny said impatiently. James did as he was told, and the door opened inwards. She quickly pulled out the metal rod and put the gun back in her bag, along with the little fork. What was that stapler thing? James asked, following her into the classroom. A snap gun, she said. Grandad showed me how to use it. Says it's the instrument of a clumsy fool, but that it would do the job. The classroom light came on automatically as they rushed over to Mrs. Gently's desk. This time, Jenny pulled out the bump key, and she took out a small, black, plastic hammer. James didn't bother asking her what it was for. He just watched her work. She pushed the key into the desk lock. It fitted perfectly, but when she tried to turn it, it didn't budge. She kept some turning pressure on the key with one hand and gently tapped the back of the bow of the key with the plastic hammer. After five quick taps in succession, the key turned and the drawer was unlocked. Amazing, James said. You just opened two locks and it looked so easy. It's not as easy as it looks, Jenny said. And it's my granddad's stuff. He's the one that worked out which locks they were and what tools I'd need. I couldn't have done it on my own. She pulled the drawer open. Two things caught James's eye. Firstly, the squiducken key was right there on top, and underneath it was the puzzle sheet. Jenny picked up the key. Let's go, she said. Hang on, James said. Can't I get a copy of the puzzle sheet first? We shouldn't be in here, and I don't want to get caught. Let's get out of here. Jenny started walking back to the classroom door. James hesitated for a moment, eyes resting on the sixth cryptogram. Then he picked up the puzzle sheet to take a closer look. "'What are you doing?' a voice called out. It was Mr. Stambridge. He was standing in the doorway with a frown on his face, looking straight at James, who had the puzzle sheet in his hands.'